0: My name is Nancy Farrow, also known as Mama Lou, and I'm the founder of Epic Experience. Epic Experience' mission is to empower adult cancer survivors and thrivers to live beyond cancer. I hope that as you listen to Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer, you find hope, healing, and empowerment. Through stories and education, we aim to guide those impacted by cancer. And more importantly, offer love and support to anyone out there who needs it. This is Beyond Cancer. Good afternoon everyone. I am here today with Megan Clifford aka Disney. Welcome Megan. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. So, as always, I just want to find out a little bit about you. Tell us where you're from and of course you have to include one fun fact.
1: Oh, a fun fact. This is always tough. Um Let's see. I grew up in California, in Northern California, in the Bay Area, and I've lived in Colorado for just over seven years now. And Disney has definitely been my only camp name I've ever had. Never had another camp name. Don't ask about that. No, that's oh. fact. Um, mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's neither here nor there um fun fact i guess it's related to this whole conversation um i spoiler alert i was uh, diagnosed with cancer when i was a kid so i was eligible for a wish um so my make-a-wish was to go to the set of smallville and kind of meet the cast and i got to travel internationally to vancouver so that's kind of a fun fact that's like the the tv show of teenage superman of my youth
0: so very cool um, yeah that is really cool yeah so I'm going to circle back and yeah. ask the question I am not supposed to ask, which is, what is the other camp name? Inquiring oh. minds want to know. We have to know the other camp name now.
1: Other camp name was Hot Muffins, but I changed yes. it to Disney as a, as a volunteer.
0: <laughs> so Disney, I can kind of guess where that came from. I got to know why Hot Muffins.
1: Because I like to bake, obviously.
0: <laughs> obviously. Yes. All right. What's because your favorite kind of muffin to bake?
1: Um, peaches when they're in season. Ooh. That's a, underrated, but it's a, it's a delicious muffin.
0: I have not tried the peaches muffin. <laughs> so my interest is further peaked. <laughs> well, tell us more. So you said you were diagnosed when you were 10. Is that right? So tell That's us more little- about the whole diagnosis story. What happened?
1: Sure. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. I jumped ahead a little bit there, but it was kind of a integrated fun fact into the whole Perfect. of this podcast. So, um, I was diagnosed when I was 11 in 2002. Um, and let's see diagnosis journey. It was stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosed by super weird symptoms like night sweats, fevers, itching, things like that. Just strange things they thought were allergies or growing pains, whatever else it might've been. Um, so it took a little bit to get diagnosed. And then from there I had, you know, a biopsy to confirm. So they took some of my lymph tissue and tested it to make sure what type of cancer it was, um, blood tests, surgeries and everything else. From there, I had, I think three months of chemo and another three months of radiation every day. Um, and I was actually, I didn't remember this until later in life when I found the ascent, but I was on a clinical trial for the treatment. So it was kind of just testing a new regimen as far as timing of the chemo and radiation is my understanding, but it was like a 12-page ascent that I didn't remember I had and was going through some old paperwork and was like, oh, turns out I was on a clinical trial. (laughs) So that kind of fueled my interest further in the whole world of oncology and clinical trials. But um, that's that's kind of my whole story and have been cancer-free, knock on wood, ever since, um, which is, you know, one of the caveats to getting those types of treatments, especially that young, is secondary cancers mm-hmm. is a is a side effect of these cancer treatments. Ironically, yeah. so you so, always worry about that.
0: So, but- are you under special surveillance, so to speak, um, for certain kinds of follow-on cancers?
1: Yes. So, um, radiation. Uh, where I had, it leads to secondary breast cancers, could be skin cancer, thyroid cancer, things like that. And then chemo has a bunch of after effects on the heart um, pulmonary system. So just scans and blood work, um, I have to be really on top of that. And the guidelines change all the time. So definitely being a patient self-advocate is important. But um, yeah, so that's kind of the the screening that I do now.
0: If I can just have a snapshot of what it was like to be a 10-year-old and be diagnosed with cancer.
1: Yeah. Snapshot. I mean, honestly, I think it was a really fortunate time in life, I guess, Mm. because your frontal lobe's not developed. You, you are just doing what adults tell you to do, right? At the age of 11, you're kind of not in a teenage rebellious phase yet. You're like, okay, I'm here for the ride. This is what's happening. I'm just going to go through with it. And you don't have any thoughts or I didn't have any thoughts of like, this is going to kill me, even though you're Mm. super close to death and you understand cancer is really serious, but it's kind of more like, okay, let's do it. You know, you're up for anything kind of a, just a weird adventure. That's, that's how I saw it. That might Really be interesting. interesting. Yeah.
0: Did, did the chemo, did you respond with, you know, horrible side effects or anything like that at the time? I mean, I know there's the long-term stuff that you're dealing with, but at the time, did you get really sick or anything like that?
1: Yeah, a lot of nausea. Mostly, yeah, it was kind of mostly nausea and fatigue, but I was still able to go to school, and my peers were super supportive. I have pictures from that Halloween where we all dressed up and everybody had like a headpiece because I lost my hair.
0: So all my friends
1: did that for me. It was really sweet. But yeah, it was just kind of nausea. And then radiation didn't have any immediate side effects, but exponentially they grow over time, which is. Yeah kind of messed up, <laughs>
0: that's For sure. that's
1: Yeah, so no immediate side effects there. And then it was just kind of treatment-wise done after that.
0: So at the time, like you said, you kind of just went with the flow, like, okay, this is what we're doing. Yep. Did you have, I don't know, as you got older, became a teenager, young adult, did the mental and emotional side effects, I guess, come into play there?
1: Yeah, I think it kind of compounded over time you know, I was kind of centered around my family and how they dealt with things because you are an 11, 12 year old, you know, preteen. Um, so you're just kind of following by example and, um, it wasn't really talked about and we just kind of, this is what we're doing. And then once it's over, like that's over with, we're not going to talk about it. It's, you Mm. know, like kind of talking about it felt as toxic as the cancer itself, almost in the household. Hmm. So I think as I grew up to be an adult, I got kind of more curious and like, I, I can't be siloed in this, right? There has to be other people that have gone through this, but somehow I can't relate to my peers about it, you know, cause you don't, it's not very common. right? So I think going into like college and discovering who I am independently to drove me to kind of find that community as well, which led me to Epic, but I'm sure that was one of your next
0: questions. You just made my job easy. So that's, that was my next question is, so what was life like? So as you're kind of a young adult, then you're in college and beyond deciding, hey, I do want to talk to other people about this. What was, what drove you to look for something like Epic?
1: Yeah, it was um, pretty interesting. I worked in a psychosocial oncology lab in college, so that's super niche, but it's basically like studying how cancer survivors in college disclose their cancer, cancer experience.
0: Wow. So on the
1: back end in the lab. I know shout out to megaphone, another camper alum. <laughs> but, um, we're studying kind of how college age kids disclose socially and date and do normal things like that. Yeah. Um, and by, by hearing, other people's, you know, thoughts on it and being open about it. I was just curious and kind of Googled myself into community and support with, um, starting with Epic. Mm -hmm. So there are other, you know, programs and, and camps and things out there, but there, there are different exclusions for people And Epic was just so inclusive and like anybody can come. And I was the youngest person at the camp, but it still felt, I mean, super welcoming. So it was a, it was a funny kind of journey and way of getting there via Google search, but uh that's that's how i got there
0: <laughs> so when did you actually attend camp
1: i attended camp in 2014 when i was a senior in college so i was 22 i think
0: okay and winter or summer which
1: winter yes winter Mm-hmm. I won't forget that because as a California girl, uh, right? so you're just thrown into the Colorado mountains and yes, here we're going dog, you know, whatever we're doing, we're doing all right. activities. So uh, that was a, an experience I won't ever forget.
0: Yes. I had a similar one coming from Florida you're just uh-huh. kind of like, Plop. okay, here we so, are. No. Exactly. Uh-huh. So prior to attending, where were you kind of mentally, emotionally and physically? Like what was your state of being at that time?
1: yeah. so mentally, emotionally, I, as I said, I was just kind of feeling a little bit like I you know, I was missing something in relation to my peer groups as far mm-hmm. as this this cancer survivorship piece that I didn't really have an identity for yet. And I wanted to connect with a similar community and kind of just see what that was like. I had never done anything like that. I didn't go to, you know camps as a kid, which they have for kids, um, right. So I was just looking for connection, I think, in, in kind of a deeper part of cancer survivorship. That's where I was mentally, emotionally, and then physically, I was the, the most fit I've ever been and like just really going for it in college. I would run three miles a day on the beach and yeah, I was ready for an adventure in the Colorado mountains.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So going into camp, you wanted that connection. It sounds like, mm-hmm. did you find that even though you were a lot younger, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I really did. And I think it was really a positive to go with such a spread of ages. Mm. I thought that that was great to see people in different life stages and how. These things can affect you at any life stage. And like selfishly, you know, I might have to deal with the secondary cancer down the road. So how Mm -hmm. are other people dealing with this at a different life stage and just connecting on, on different levels, people with kids, people who's, you know, been affected with their, their whole families with this. Um, So it was just really interesting and unique to get that perspective. And I think I had a unique perspective being so young when I was diagnosed too.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So um, I I definitely got the connection I was seeking and, uh, you know, wouldn't change that for the world.
0: That's awesome. So if you could say one thing that you brought home from camp and then kind of incorporated into your life after that, what would that be?
1: I think realizing that I wasn't as siloed as I thought I was Mm -hmm. and pretty much everyone's in their adulthood is one degree of separation at least from cancer unfortunately right yeah so i think it's important to talk about these things and you know lessen stigmas that are out there and just kind of be open to communicating and relating to others i think yeah just kind of like having the aha moment of there are other people out here wow that feels really good
0: yes definitely i know you came back and volunteered at camp how long after and what was that experience like compared to when you were actually the camper?
1: Yeah, I I think my first volunteer was like a year and a half later during a summer mm-hmm. camp. And I wanted to, you know, continue to foster those connections and give back to what kind of Epic gave to me and just... Mm-hmm you know, like lead those campfire conversations and talk to people and and just really relate through, you know, adventure as well. So it's kind of the whole piece of it. But what led me to volunteer, yeah, just to kind of give back to the epic community. And the I mean the pharaohs are wonderful. And you know, they hosted me later in Colorado. And that's the whole reason I'm out live in Colorado now. So I definitely had a desire to be just out here in general in the mountains and to help other people kind of get through whatever they're going through with their cancer journey too.
0: And it sounds like also cancer, your personal experience has led to a career in the field. You already mentioned what you were doing in college, which I didn't even know about, but it sounds like it has also impacted your career choice now. So can you tell us a little bit about how your cancer experience first led you to kind of work in that uh, space, the oncology space?
1: Yeah. Um, so it's probably a pretty selfish drive <laughs> in the <laughs> oncology space. Um, I am not, I'm not that self self-absorbed and self-obsessed, but, uh, I wanted to kind of be in the, the thick of it and, and, you know, be on the forefront of technology and, and in the cancer space. And I just know, knew there were a lot of developments happening all the time. Um, I went to work at the University of Colorado Cancer Center and was helping patients get on clinical trials for Mm. different cancer diagnoses there. Um, And it led to uh, getting this job at this really cool company called Foundation Medicine where I currently work. Um, And they do genomic profiling for cancer patients. So once you've been diagnosed, look Mm. at your cancer genes and see if there are any more personalized therapy opportunities for you based on what's going on in the tumor DNA. So it's just, it seems like the science of tomorrow, but it's really, it's happening now. And it's really exciting to be a part of it. And it's just selfish of me to want to be in the middle of all of it and know exactly what's going on. I'm just like, I'm a very curious person. I need to know what's happening around me. So that's, uh, it's probably (laughs) self-serving.
0: Well, it's interesting that you just recently discovered fairly recently that you were on a trial and then how that has played out in so many different aspects of your life since then right and
1: yeah I, I couldn't have predicted that i didn't i didn't remember assenting because you can't even consent to a trial when you're that young so you right. assent under your parents signature um so i mean it's come full circle i feel like <laughs> and it's um yeah that's that's an interesting part, piece of the the puzzle too that i didn't put together till later so always something new
0: right what would you say is the most rewarding part about your job
1: uh, I mean, I still get to help patients, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Um, and help care teams get patients answers that they, I mean, this technology didn't exist when I was diagnosed with cancer. Right. So to be able to get patients more personalized treatment options than I was able to receive Mm -hmm. is the most rewarding thing just to have an opportunity that I didn't. And, you know, if I could go back in time and, and have th- those opportunities and yeah. not just throw poisonous chemo at it and radi- zap at me with radiation and things like that. Um, Let's hope and,
0: it works. Right. Right, <laughs> right
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> throw this at it. Let's hope it sticks. Right. Um, but now you can, you can figure out if there are more personalized options, which is, I mean, it's- That's amazing. It's like space science, right? Like it's just, it's so cool.
0: That is, that's amazing. Well, I'm wondering if there's anything- that you would share with, I don't know, even a parent of of someone, I'm gonna get more specific than I usually do, but a parent of a child who is diagnosed with cancer. Is there anything from your experience that you might share with them just from kind of now being an adult and reflecting back on that?
1: I would say, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot that I've reflected on in that, in that piece of it and and how I would do things differently as an adult, if I were to navigate this independently, Mm -hmm. but to a parent, I would specifically say, be open to resources available to you and, you know, kids know more of what's going on than you think. (laughs) So, you know, be open open to things like uh social services and thinking outside the box of things second opinions whatever it may be just you know be just being open to to have those conversations and and hear people out that might have you know different ideas about it yeah, yeah i think that that's like probably looking back on it, I wish I had, you know, a little bit more social support in that type of space, but I found my own, which, um, partially from Epic. So I got to meet cool people and, and really connect with the community. And that's, that's a really helpful thing to have when you're going through near-death experience, frankly.
0: Definitely. Is there anything you'd like to share that I haven't asked you about either with a like you, someone who had cancer when they were a child, another adult, or just a caregiver or just general people who are listening?
1: I mean, I think we pretty much covered it, but yeah, just like kind of the same as advice I would give to an, a, you know, a parent is be open to something different, maybe, you know, whether it's a community, some talking to someone you wouldn't normally talk to, or, you know, like, oh, I don't need that. You know, be open to different resources um, because it can bring you things that might surprise you.
0: I yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. Well, and of course, the most important question, marshmallows over a campfire, slow and steady or flame and crispy.
1: This was the, I I pre-read the questions and this was the hardest one that I <laughs> had to think about. <laughs> Okay. So first of all, done a lot of experimenting in this space.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So you're the expert. I really should have, that should have been the fun fact then, right?
1: Megan, AKA
0: marshmallow expert.
1: Um, I prefer vegan marshmallows. I think they give a more full roast. So like Mm. if you have a regular marshmallow, it just gets crispy on the outside and then it's cold on the inside. I think vegan marshmallows are more, they go thorough all the way through the middle and they, they have a better texture, but that's just my opinion. So I would say vegan marshmallows and throw out the s'mores, the rest of the stuff, Put them in hot chocolate with bourbon. That's it.
0: Wow. All right. Well, first of all, I didn't know there were vegan marshmallows, so I have been educated. So thank you. And that is a very specific tip that is wonderful. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. <laughs> so Megan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time uh, and your insight. And um, I'm really excited that you got this job in this space and that you're helping people uh, on a daily basis deal with cancer.
1: Yeah. Thanks for chatting with me. I'm glad to share.
0: All right, everyone, until next time, see you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Campfires of Hope, Living Beyond Cancer. For more information about Epic Experience and our programs, or to donate, please visit our website at epicexperience.org. Music for this podcast is provided by Moonshiner Collective. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us so we can share our story with more people. Also, be sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts so you'll know when new episodes are released. We hope you come back and join us for our next episode. Valentine. That's